To our weekly, and we mean weekly, Wednesday night shear. This Shabbos, it's Pashas Kedoshim. Pashas Kedoshim. Perik Sheni Pekayavis. Yetzin will mention a little bit of Pasha Saita as well, Bilinada. I'm Sakta Saita. Like to give a, in America we call a shout out, a very happy birthday to my son on his 30th birthday as Nisim. Shas Hatzlacha Bracha. Arichas Yom Vishanam Langi Gizunta Freyd Achyarim and Nachas Freyd. And I'll call you so. Every Jew should merit to go birthday to birthday, year after year, and should see much nachas from their families and their children. And that's so. For they are going to be reading the Shabbos Pashas Pashas Emer, and we are still stuck on Kedoshim. It's going to take a while till we catch up. I think I mentioned last week Baharbuch Kesei. That's incorrect. It'll be closer to Matas Masai until we reconnect. Whoops. Um, yeah. Okay, much better. Um, whoops. Let me just plug in here so we don't get your back voice. Um, yeah. Baruch Hashem for the world of WhatsApp. Today someone, this is, I just got now from family member. You have a uh, phone company, whatever, they're answering hotlines. Says, Thank you for calling... Trump campaign headquarters. This is Make America Great Again. <coughs> press one for English. Press two to be to be deported. Okay. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Yeah, that's what we're up to. Please do not ask me to uh, voice my opinion on the election. I have none. That's not my job. Kedoshim. to you. You should be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. Wow. How powerful is that? We're having a mission. We're giving, giving a mission here. 
to be holy like God is holy. That's it's a step to take. It's a handful. Who's being spoken to here? Sometimes Moshe, God spoke to Moshe, and Moshe told it to, like the mission says, to Aaron, to Yeshua, to Skanim, and went down to pecking order. This parasha says no. The entire congregation Anoshim Noshim Vitaf Men, women and children. Everyone should be by this assembly. And I want you to tell this to everyone, they should all know. It's a mitzvah to say. A positive commandment. We need to be holy. Okay. Wow. What mitzvah in the Tata do we not do we do not to be holy? Every mitzvah. A person does a mitzvah. They're doing, they're fulfilling a mitzvah to connect to God, to become one with God, to be holy. Yet here we're getting a separate command, a separate mitzvah to be holy. What is this? What is this all about? The Rambam answers that this directive from the Teda to be holy or actually in a broader broader sense to set ourselves apart requires from us to actually sanctify ourselves. Aside from the Kedusha, the sanctity that one gets from learning Torah, from doing a mitzvah, there's another step here. Another level even higher than that. And the Torah warns us don't be a hedonist don't indulge excessively in worldly pleasures, even if they're permissible. Kaddish atzmecha b'mutralach. Keeping score at home. The Gemara Yevamis Chaf Amar Aleph Twenty Side A. And the Ramban therefore writes, after enumerating all the things that are actually forbidden, be holy. 
Constrain yourself even what, with what is permissible. Keep it within the limits. But when honestly a person does a self-reckoning, the words be holy, even with what's permitted to you, is obviously directed to people that are already perfect and everything else. And therefore they have explicit commands and prohibitions. But if someone's a struggling, he's struggling with other mitzvahs already, and now to ascertain a level of becoming holy, But this is what the Torah says when Hashem tells us, Speak to the entire congregation of the Jewish children of Israel. And Rashi explains, I told you, it meant men, women, and children. And God made it very clear that this directive was for each and every Jew. And if God made the, gave the commandment, then we're definitely capable of keeping it. Not only to observe Torah laws, but to keep ourselves holy. Pashkadoshim has a novelty to it. In essence, the entire Ten Commandments are re-mentioned in Pashkadoshim. commandment of keeping Shabbos, the commandment of honoring your parents, the commandment do not steal, etc., etc., all mentioned as mitzvahs in this parasha. And for a short parasha to have 52 mitzvahs, it's pretty good. There are certain mitzvahs, though, like being holy, that are quite difficult. And it's mentioned in this Pasha. And we go into them, and I'll read you another letter from the Rebbe on this subject. One of the mitzvahs in a negative commandment There are times where we have the capacity, the capability to help a fellow Jew. Sometimes just to help them out of giving them a boost on the car, to help them change a flat tire, Sometimes help marry off a child. Sometimes help redeem their house. If one has this capacity and does not do so, and leaves the person to wallow in his problems, he's going across, he's doing this transgression of Leisam Adam Reacha. 
many years ago, about 300 years ago in Baghdad, they tell a story. In those days, obviously, travel was not very popular. People didn't have frequent flyer miles. They didn't have points on their credit cards. You had to go from town to town. If you were a regular person, you walked it. And in these Mid-Eastern countries, you could walk in the desert for days. There's one given town, Baghdad. This old man with his walking stick, a knapsack, came into the town and was very concerned because the town was desolate. It was empty. The streets were empty. Every town has somebody, a merchant, somebody, something. There was no one. Well, a Jew follows his sense of direction. And you go to the biggest building in town, which is obviously the shul. In the olden days, that's how they were built. Many towns were built, the shul was big. It's a coin Shul has to be the biggest building. Anyway, <coughs> not only did the shul stand on a freestanding lot, it had a lot. Ground, table, a little water outside, whatever, flowing water. He went to a table, sat down, put his bag down. He went over to the sink, to the water pump, whatever it was over there. Pumped some water out, washed his face, refreshed himself, drank something. He washed for bread. He went and sat down by this little table, and young and essen. He went to eat. He ate his whatever portion he allotted himself for his journey at this point. He drank, and we benched. And then he noticed, from the shul, you could hear there's something happening in shul. So, he walks up to the shul, and he sees the shul is packed, packed. Shul's packed, and he sees everybody standing there crying, saying, Till him. What could this be? And he waits, somebody finally picks the head up for a second from the Tillum. What's going on? whole community is here, he tells him. We're saying Tillam and fasting. And then he went back to Tillam. Anyway, he took the effort and the time and he went from one person to the next. He went from one person to the next till he found out the whole story. The story was the Sultan had a wicked advisor named Mustafa Mustafa was a rabid anti-Semite. 
surprise. And Mustafa came up with a, a, a phenomenal decree. If the Jews cannot produce a miracle worker like Moshe Rabbeinu, they're going to have to leave. They won't be able to take anything with them, they just have to leave. We don't have anybody like that. We have our rabbis, our sages, but nobody's a miracle worker. Especially not like Moshe Rabbeinu. What had happened? Mustafa was trying very hard to get the Jews out of the country, out of the land. But the king, the sultan said, listen, they pay taxes, they this, they that. And Mustafa kept saying, they're not worth it, they're not worth it, they're not worth it. Finally the king said, listen, I don't know if you noticed, but they had a Moshe. They had a Jews who were in Egypt and under Pharaoh. Pharaoh was very oppressive to them. And Moses brought plagues on Pharaoh. It was a pretty bad situation there. Pretty messy. I'm not interested in that stuff. I don't want to get hit with plagues and with who knows what because I try to punish the Jews. Mustafa laughed and he says, My dear Sultan, there's no Moses amongst the Jews today. They don't have any of these miracle workers. You have nothing to fear. Hmm. So Mustafa said, You know what? I'll prove it to you. And put out this decree that they need to produce a Moshe in order to stay in the land. If they couldn't produce a Moshe, then he could tell the Sultan, see, there's no Moshe, we can throw them out. The old man heard this story, and he walked up to the Mizrach hall, where all the old sages were sitting, and he said to them, he spoke to them, and as he started talking to them, they all got together, and a very animated conversation started going, in whispers, it was back and forth in discussion. It was very lively. And finally, the senior of got up and he banged on the podium asking for silence in the shul. <coughs> and he said, the sultan's requesting a Moshe, a miracle worker among the Jews. This man said he has a solution. We are agreeing to send him. We don't know him. None of us know him. And therefore, it's a Mimon of Shach situation. It's either or. If he's successful, Ashrenu, we're in good shape. Should he fail, Chasvashalom? will deny any knowledge of who he was, and we never sent him, we had no idea who he is. And therefore we should all sit now and daven, that he should be successful on his mission. And the man walked out of the shul, 
his walking stick, his long robe, flowing white beard, piercing eyes, and marched to the outskirts of the town to the palace of the Sultan. And with his stick he banged on the door, demanding to meet with the Sultan. The Sultan at this time was in court. All his advisors and everybody were all together gathered because they were waiting for that day to finish so that the decree could be put into place. Mustafa was ready to throw a party. And in walks this Jew. The Jew walks in. The Sultan looks at him and says, No, Salam Aleikum. What do you want? I understand you are waiting to see a Jew that's like Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, yes I am. I am greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. Gee. You're greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, yes, the whole place is mesmerized. They don't know if they should laugh, cry, scream, yell, they were pet, they didn't know what to do. Their emotions were totally, totally convoluted. He says, Okay. What can you show us to prove this? I'll do something that Moshe Rabbeinu never did. And he picks his hands up and very animatedly showed exactly what he's going to do. I will take a sword, I will chop off someone's head, and then I will put the head back and bring him back to life. And he said this with such conviction. And his eyes were so piercing. And his motions in his hands were so convincing. He had the whole place trembling. To add insult to injury, he says, but there's a stipulation. There's a condition. What is your condition? In order for it to actually work, the man has to be a very, very smart person. He has to be very, very brilliant. Okay? So they started to look around. Who's the very, very brilliant guy? And the Sultan is looking from one person to the next advisor to the next advisor. And finally, his eyes fell on Mustafa. Mustafa, you're my smartest advisor, Mustafa. You're the only one that be able to, re- to, to really keep this happen. Needless to say, Mustafa was petrified. Guy's making a mockery here. He's gonna chop my head off and I'll be finished. He says, Chop my head off, he can do. Can he put it back? Can he bring me back to life again? I don't know if that's true. But the king, the sultan said, Listen, you wanted to see a Jew that can do something like Moshe. Here he is. You're gonna have to live up to it, mister. Fess up. Mustafa started crying. Started confessing. I'm not so smart. 
I don't belong even being an advisor for the king. I have no right being here. I should never have stepped into the palace even. I don't know how I fooled everybody till now. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. I was the lowest in my class. I never graduated. I was a dropout. I, I, I'm just, I'm leaving, I can't, I have nothing to do anymore, I'm, I'm firing myself, it's over. And if I said anything, if I made anything, any decrees, it's all wrong, it's all lies. And Mustafa picked his feet up and he ran for his dear life. No. The Yid standing there says, if he was your smartest man, then he's the only one that he could work with. Anybody that's not smart, it's not going to work. So everybody backed down. Mustafa rescinded on his decree, so the Sultan rescinded on the decree, and the Jews was told, go home and tell the Jews they have a, a Moses. Wow. And he came back to the city, to the town, to the shul, and he told everybody, the Gazeera is over, the decree is off. And Shalom... And everybody started to celebrate and to dance and to sing, obviously. And during the singing and the dancing and the celebration, this man disappeared. The same way he came, he left. And they still today will tell you in Baghdad the story and say this was Eliyahu Hanavi. Yesterday was Bay's ear. We'd like to talk about Bay's ear as well, but let's first get a little bit into the Pasha. Because there's a very, very important, there are very, are very important messages from the parsha. Rabbi Akiva is a prominent member in this week's parsha. Pasuk tells us about Shana Hamishas Teichlos Pidyoi. In the fifth year, you should eat his fruit. Actually, Mazel Tov today to my grandson in Switzerland who turned three. Me'at Hashem, his upshernish is going to be on Lag Baima in Geneva, Switzerland. Anybody that has um, extra points, frequent flight miles, miles, and wants to send them in my direction, I'd love to go. Um, I think it's only 985. <laughs> yeah. So, that's a shame. Hopefully my wife is going to go. How about you? They can't take blood out of a stone. To add to you your tfua. Hi, Rabbi Kiva. Amos says Rashi. Rabbi Kiva used to say, "Divrei Teira connected Yitzhara." The Teira here speaks about against the Yitzhara. Should a Yemar Adam, a person should not say, "Harei Arba Shonim, four years and he mitzdar beichinam." I'm working, walking for working for nothing. The fichach, therefore, Neymar. It says, "The Hesef Lachem Tuase." If you indeed do this. And you indeed keep to the dictum in the first years of the tree. You leave the tree alone. You don't take anything from it. You will have additional fruits thereafter. There are many mitzvahs in the Torah, the 613 to be exact. Many mitzvahs, though, that the reward is written. Yomecha by uh, Shloch Hakan by Kibud Aim 
none of the places does it say the reason that you're getting a reward is divrateta keneged hara. That is talking here against the Yetzirah. Why is this mitzvah, the reward here, different? And who is explaining it, Rabbi Akiva? Why? Because Divirateta connected Yetzirah. Perhaps we can explain this very short, briefly. If the intention here is to just tell us what the reward it be, it would say, Leman So that, because of this, you're going to get it. Or, I will add. Like in other places where the Taylor adds about rewards. The fact that it says here, in order to add to your tour, it's not only coming to tell us the reward that we're going to get. But rather that the addition of the Tavua is the actual point of the whole thing here, of the mitzvah. For example, it says, Remember the Shabbos to sanctify it. Lekadshe is the thing, what, are we, what is the outcome here? In order to sanctify Shabbos. But that's not the schar of the mitzvah. The idea of the mitzvah is zocher, to remember the Shabbos. What is this mitzvah, though, different than all the mitzvahs in the Teda? The other mitzvahs, although the reward is brought out, person is not being mekai in the mitzvah in order to, do, to get the reward. person is doing the mitzvah because that's what God wants him to. This mitzvah, though, we have permission from the Teda to do it with the intention to get reward. So this we have the question. What is this mitzvah different than any other mitzvah? And therefore Rabbi Akiva answers, The person should not say, Four years I suffered for free, for nothing. Therefore, he is actually rewarded. Will you guys make a lot of noise? Considering you're not saying anything, you okay. And Dafka Rabbi Akiva. We see again, we have to Many Mepharshim ask, people can overcome obstacles. People can bypass certain headaches or things that they might do, they shouldn't do, they should do. But not everybody can control their emotions. So how can everyone ask, be asked to come to this mitzvah to feel in their heart love for a fellow Jew? 
and this fellow came to shul on a Friday night, and he realized he had, what is going on here today. And he realized he had in his pocket a hundred dollar bill. So what? Shabbos. He didn't want to lose the money. So he was a Farat Ashtikal Talmud Chalchim. He took out a Chomish. He opened to Shemais. Chomashim, five Chomashim in it. He opens to the Chomish Shemais. He comes to the Ten Commandments where it says, Lay signate thou shalt not steal. And he puts the hundred dollar bill in. Because anybody opens this Chomish, sees the hundred dollar bill. And sees the words, like Signaif, we'll leave it alone. Brilliant plan. Comes Matzah Shabbos. He gets the Chumash off the shelf. And he opens to his designated place, like Signaif, which is the Ten Commandments in Shemais, in Pashat Yisrael. Much to his chagrin, the money is not there. He's devastated. How could a Jew see the words "lay signif" and steal the money? He starts flipping through the pages, and he gets to our parsha kedushin, and he sees the pasuk, "Love your fellow Jews, you love yourself." And there, in that page, is a $50 bill. He left 100 And the other person told him, I'm not stealing. You've got to love me like I love you. we got to share. How did the person come to this love? Next week's speaking of is Perigimel Mishnah Zalud. The Mishnah says, Tana says, Chavivin Yisrael Shenikru Banam Lamakim. The Jews are very, very valuable. Inasmuch as they're called children to the Almighty. And Chazal tell us, what is this compared to the Ma'adav Adema? The Melech Bosav Adam. To a king of flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. He got very angry at his son and he put him in prison. He put him in prison, but he didn't just put him in prison. He put him in prison and said, Nobody is to feed him. Let him die of hunger. He was really angry at him. But there's one person snuck behind everybody's backs and snuck in food and drink. A week went by and the king was no longer angry, but he's worried that his son was dead. He quickly said, Where's my son, my prince? And 
they brought the healthy prince before the king. The king was so shocked. A whole week, no eating and drinking, and you look so healthy and robust. How is it possible? And the secret was revealed that although the decree of the king was that nobody should feed him, there was one brave fellow that went behind the king's back, behind the guards' backs, and fed him and drank, gave him to drink. Now one would think that the king's anger should well up again, saying, how dare somebody go against my decree? But rather realizing the silliness of his decree, and seeing that it saved his child's life, his prince, he rewarded the man handsomely. We are considered and therefore we find that every Jew not looking at him at his spiritual level even when God is angry at his son they are called we are brothers this understanding, this withstood, we understand how when one realizes this is his true brother, it wakes up within him the love of brothers. This story was told by Rabbi Akiva. The very same Rabbi Akiva that spoke about the reward in the other Rashi. And a few psukim later. Rabbi Akiva was challenged by the Roman Emperor. The Emperor said to him, You Jews all deserve to be put to death. Come on, let's And he said, How so? Because the Torah writes clearly that the Almighty says, Ki li to me, the Jewish nation are slaves, your servants. Let me ask you a question, says the Tunis Rufus. If a king had a servant that sinned against the king, and the king decreed that this man be put to prison and left to die of hunger, And someone would go behind everyone's back and feed the servant. And the king would find out weeks later that the servant was indeed still alive because somebody was feeding him. What would be the punishment? Surely the king would put him to death. And you Jews go to your fellow Jew when he's down, when he's suffering, when he's in poverty and he has nothing to eat or to drink. And you give him food. But the king decreed he should not have food or drink. And in spite of the decree, you go against his decree and you feed him anyway. So just like the king would put that person to death, 
Any Jew that gives charity should be put to death, Rahman This Moshal that we just learned, the Moshal of Rabbi Akiva was that no, we are not called Avadim Avadayim, we are not called slaves, rather Bonimatim, we are children of God. And therefore he gave this Moshal, Bonimatim Hashem Alekechem, and gave the Moshal of the king with his own child, thereby disproving this theory, and by saying and explaining how one needs to give charity, one needs to let another person live. And therefore, Ve'haftal Reacha Kamecha, Omer Abi Akiva, Zek Lal Godol Batera. This is a great klal, and this is one of the twelve pesukim that the children were told by the Rebbe to study and to know. Famous, famous stories that go on in the Talmud. We know that Hillel Azokin, Hillel the Elder, when spoke of the mitzvah of Israel, he explained what is Avas Yisrael. Da'aloch sani le'savid. What you don't want done to you, don't do unto others. This is the entire Teda. If you keep your score at home, the Gemara Shabbos, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph, 31, side 1. If that's the case, why does Rabbi Akiva refer to it only as a klal godel bateda, great generalization of the tater? And not, like Hillel says, this is the tater. <clears throat> Sometimes we find in Chazal that the Jews are mentioned before the tater. Sometimes we find reverse. The Jews are mentioned after Tera. They're lower than Tera. The Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe said, the reason is because Yisrael has two levels to it. The first is a Jew is a Chelik and a Shama, a part of a soul which is put in a body, <coughs> clothed in a body. And the Zoyar says, There are three knots tied, one with it in the other. Yisrael be'iraisa, the Jews in the Teda, ve'iraisa be'kut shabrichu, and the Teda into God. And this makes this forms a chain. And the chain starting with the Jew, the Teda, and God. Yisrael being the Jews, being the lowest, going uphill. The other part of a Jew is the soul which is higher. It doesn't come into the body. On this, it says, this is the mucker, the Yisaira Teda. The Machshava of Yisrael came before everything else. Alpayim Shona Kodma Teda Lielam. Two thousand years before the world was Teda. Prior to that, the Almighty thought of the Jews.
Therefore, we understand now what Hill Azak and Rabbi Akiva are saying. They're talking about the two types of Nishamas. Hillel talks about the Bechina of Yisrael Kadmula Teda, and therefore this is Kola Teda Kula. Because this is the Mokr and the Yisrael of Teda is the Jew. It's not only a Klal in the Teda, but Rabbi Akiva says no. It's talking about Kiyam Mitzvah Avas Yisrael. With the Nishama in the Guf. And when the Nishama is in the body, this Darga Yisrael is lower than the Teda. And therefore, this Mitzvah is not Kola Teda Kula. There's no Mitzvah that we push off because of Avas Yisrael. But rather it's a cloud battle We need to do it with all its boundaries. We need to still get to Pirkeyavis to Saita. I want to read briefly a small letter, part of a small letter at least, that the Rebbe sent. letter was sent on Chavdalet Adar Tavshin Yud Gimel 24th day of Adar um, I guess 1953 we're going to go into the middle of the letter where it's that it starts I received your letter now from Matzah Shabbos Pasha Sisa and also the one before I'm shocked about what you write about yourself and I've told you already many times, I heard from my father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, he told me that someone once came into him to Yechidus, and he asked him for a tikkun, for a way to rectify some things, some pointers. And at that point, the further person enumerated, elaborated on his own deficiencies spiritually. And he used some real nasty wording, says the Rebbe. Friedrich Rebbe told him, You know how bad Lashon Hara is. You're not allowed to talk Lashon Hara on a friend. And also not even on yourself. Vidal. Enough to understand that. Well, if he is dighty, the Rebbe says, according to my noble opinion, you have to add to this an explanation. There's a difference between the Lashon Hara and Meitz Shemra. Meitz Shemra is on a falsity. For Lashon Hara, who are filu even if you're telling the truth, but you're telling it about somebody else, it's Loshan Hara. And he goes on to explain where and how you have to see, you look this up. Our person needs to be very, very, very careful. 
And Lashon Hara literally kills three people. person that says it, person that hears it, the person it's spoken about. And it's a very delicate subject. One that we have a very hard time avoiding. But one needs to work on their own Avis Yisrael in order to prevent ever talking Lashon Hara. And it's a very difficult job, I will tell you. Discusses the birth of Meshir Abenu. The Imara tells us what transpires. Pare put a decree against the Jewish children, Jewish boys that were born. All boys need to be thrown into the river to drown. The girls can remain living. According to Mepharshim, the decree against the girls was worse than the decree against the boys. Because the boys were told to be killed physically and the girls spiritually. Let them live physically, but let them live like Egyptians. The reason for this decree to be thrown into the river was because the stargazers saw, saw that the Savior of the Jews will be punished through water. His, his demise will come through water. And they figured that it means that he can drown him. Little did they know that the ultimate demise would be Meimeriva, where the waters, with the fight over the waters, that the stone didn't want to give out, and Moshe hit the stick instead of talking hit the stone instead of talking to it. But the Gemara tells us a very, very important issue here. Amram was the head of the Jewish nation. He was the sage. When he heard this decree, he said that in that case, we can't live with our wives. If we live with our wife, we're going to have children. If we have children, they're going to be put to death. I heard a very interesting story this week, similar, Pachaja, to this. A couple lived in communist Russia. By the time they got out of communist Russia, they were in their 60s. They had no children, Rahman Islam. And they grew old here, they knew nobody. When he passed, the husband passed away. There was hardly a minion by the Leviah. and they scraped together a minion. There was no rabbi, nobody to eulogize, nobody to say anything. So the wife went over to the Arun, she leaned over and said to her husband, "When you come to Mila, and they ask you." Why we had no children? You tell them, we were living in the dark part of Russia and there was no mikveh. Because there was no mikveh. Etc. 
Miriam and Aviyah goes to her father Amram, who's like I said, the head of the Jewish nation, and says, you, by divorcing, are causing everybody to divorce their wives, and you're causing a decree worse than Paris. Paris' decree is a child comes into the world, kill him. You're, he's depriving them Elam Hazeh. Your decree is depriving them Elam Hazeh and Elam Haba. The world to come as well, because once, if they live for a minute and they're put to death, then they go to heaven, they go to Ganadin. They have Elam Haba. They died in Messias Nevesh. But if they're never born, they have nothing. Not Elam Hazeh, not Elam Haba. And this convincing argument is how she convinced her father to remarry, take back her mother, and thereby the, bo- the birth of Meshir Adenu, Meshir Shaitzram. And the mother goes on to tell us how it, what happened, Basi Batpari came down to that. We know the whole story of how it worked. Why was she there? She's doing to be Megayer, whatever. Ellen. It goes on, the Gemara explains. Let us focus a little bit on Pirkei Alves. This week is Pirkei Sheni, and the Pirkei Sheni starts. Rabbi Eimer. Rabbi says, What is the right, which is the right path that a man should choose for himself? Anything that is honorable to himself and brings him honor from man. Or Tiferet is also known as beauty. Why the question? Rabbi should say, straight, talk to the point. Rabbi Eimer, Haderech Shiyavar Ha'adam, the way that a person should go, is Tiferet, they said, Tiferet, they said, Why ask, Eizehi Derech, We know which derech. The Jew has to go on the road of the Jew of the Torah. It's not a question of choice. Which way should we go? Should we keep Torah mitzvahs or not? He refers, though, he says, Shiavale Ha'odom. The man. Man is referred to four different ways in the Torah. Odom. Ish, Gever, and Enoish. Zaya explains the differences between the four. Here the mission is using the term Odom, which is the highest. A person that's developed his intellectual capacities. Although he's in Odom, he needs to follow the right path. And this applies not only to an Odom, but even if the person Rahman is at the lowest level. The question is though, why does the Mishnah say Rebbe? Why does the Mishnah B'chal even say, quote the person? Why didn't it just say, 
And what's wrong with his title? The next mission says, Yehuda Anasi. In this mission, the Rebbe is instructing a person, the person that reached the level of Adam, the highest level. For the other people, it's obvious how they have to follow. you got to go according to Tere Mitzvahs. When a person already fulfills Tere Mitzvahs, in a complete manner to a level that he's now considered an Adam, He asks, what now? Where do I turn now? God, the Teda, and the Jewish people are all infinite, as we mentioned before. So a person therefore has to realize that at all times he has both the potential and responsibility to advance in divine service. But there are many different paths that gives such opportunity. Which path should a person take? Says Rebbe, one that is honorable to himself and brings honor for man. And obviously being an Odom, it's quite a task. One of the things he says though, have a zahir, be very careful with the mitzvahs, minor mitzvahs, greater mitzvahs. The word zahir also could mean shine, like zohar. All the mitzvahs share a fundamental quality. Each of them enables the neshama to shine forth. I also want to tell the story of Bey's year, of the Semach Tzedek, but I don't think we're going to be able to squeeze it in. The Semach Tzedek, by the groundbreaking of the shul, and of the complex, the shul, his home, and everything else, came together with the Chassidim, by the Akamas, by the Nachasadim, and he asked the Chassidim, you want to hear Maimer, you want to hear a story? And they chose to hear a story, and he told it quick, I'll tell it quickly, a story of two regional Hasidim, and one of them was a wealthy fellow, one was a not so wealthy fellow, and the wealthy fellow owned a lot of land that he used to rent from the squire, and the not wealthy fellow rented an inn by him. And after one year, they have, every year they used to, they used to pay him at the end of the year. One year was a bad year, and he couldn't pay him at the end of the year. The Mosad is telling the story, he couldn't pay him at the end of the year, so he went to the Rizhna. And the Rizhna called the other fellow, the owner, the renter, the rentee, the renter. And he told him, listen, the situation, the guy doesn't have money, doesn't it? So, okay, I forgive him for this year. And I'll lower his next year's rent. But they don't. Hmm. And the second year again it happens. It was even worse. So, okay, he calls him again to the Rebbe. He's okay, I'll forgive him again, but this is the last time. And uh, he lowered the rent again. On the third year, the fellow couldn't pay. He went to the Rebbe and he told the Rebbe, listen, I'll forgive him for the de- debt, but he has to leave. Nebuch, the person heartbroken, let leave. And the family, now without a roof over their head, all took different directions and they all never 
didn't turn out the way the family should turn out. The man was heartbroken, and the heartbroken man dies. He died. He passed away, and years later, the other fellow passes away. And he comes upstairs, and everybody says, look, this guy was a great guy. He had this, he did mitzvahs, he gave all his mitzvahs, he davened and everything. He should go to Ganeiden. Along came the sultan and said, no, he can't go to Ganeiden. He killed somebody. So he says he killed somebody. And the sultan told the story of this fellow. How the fellow died heartbroken. Because of him. So the Bezdin Shamayla tried to figure out what to do with him. And he turned to the Bezdin Shamayla and said, I'm sorry, you can't figure out what to do with me. Because you have no idea what the value of money is. Let's get to Rabbanim. He got Rabbi Yisif Kaira, the Another of the circus, and he, and he, they both came together and they tried to pass it. And he says, "Listen, you guys are here already too long. You forgot what money is all about. Let the Arab on the world pass it." And so Sadik said, and "I hear this story, and I think this guy is right. He shouldn't be punished. He gave up three years. He did a good thing. What do you think?" He says to the Chassidim, and they said, "He's right." Zakai. Zakai, Zakai. So what Tzedek said, just like I exonerated this neshama, for this merit I should be blessed to have a child that also will be a meditation for Kali Yisrael. And a year later was the birth on Bay's ear of the Rebbe Maharash. At this point, I'd like to tell everyone, that we have this Shabbos, we should all be holy, and our condition to you should be in that it's Israel and Saint Agdesha with Mashiach Tikeno. Shabbat Shalom to all.